Welcome to Art Talk with April. I'm April Harris. I'm the artist of Inked April located in Birmingham, Alabama. And this podcast is going to be about all things art. We'll talk about books, invite some artists to interviews, and much, much more. Let's get started. Welcome, everybody, to Art Talk with April. And today we have the awesome artist, Justin Stokes, who is an ink and digital artist. Um, Justin and I actually know each other in real life. (laughs) um, So I know a little bit about him, but I don't know everything, of course. So I just wanted to kind of start off with, you know, how did your art journey start? Like, did you take art when you were younger or anything like that? I I don't have any formal education in art. I've I've taken a few art classes here and there. Um, I've always loved to draw. Like, I remember drawing a pretty um, radical, sharp picture when I was like three. And it's pretty much been... (laughs) um, on and off since there, but I'll go through, I've gone through huge bouts where I didn't really pick it up. So, you know, I'm like, I'm technically a, I guess a self-taught artist, Mm. but I actually don't really like that term a whole lot because I feel like um, when you throw it out there, especially for like new and aspiring artists, they feel like everything's either supposed to be intuitive. And if if it's not that they might not be a good artist or in actuality, I think like many artists, who are self-taught have really just spent tons of time mm. learning the fundamentals, researching, yeah. talking to artists and all that. I did have some great art teachers here and there along the way for little classes that kind of kept me inspired throughout the years. Um, but what really got me uh, honestly diving back into art um, more regularly was after your 100 days of art. That oh, yeah. you did. And just seeing that kind of output made me go, you know, I used to draw all the time. I haven't in a long time. <laughs> Let's let get back to it. And so, so yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I mean, like when you're talking about, you know, like not liking the self-taught artist label, I don't really like that either because I don't think it, I don't think it's fair, honestly, because in my experience, I feel like, I mean, I'm not going to say that my art degree serves no purpose, but at the same time, even if you have like a degree or some kind of classes or whatever, you still had to figure it out on your own. So Mm -hmm. I don't know that it's really something to, like, that's an old, old way of thinking, I guess, like a... Mm-hmm. You know, an industrialized kind of way of thinking where you're like, you know, you need to have a college degree and, you know, have your certificate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that's the thing. When people graduate, they still have to figure it out. Like they still have to like figure out what they want to make and what they want to do. And they still have to learn, you know, the medium and stuff. So I, I get that. That's the first time someone said that to me, though. So that's interesting. I've seen other artists struggle with, you know, well, I, I, you know, I can't afford art school and, you know, I just, I'm having trouble, you know, at this point I've even had younger artists come up to me at shows and kind of ask me questions um, as if I know anything about anything. Uh, (laughs) I don't think anyone really does. (laughs) We're all uh, flailing until we nail it. (laughs) Yeah. But essentially, it's just I think the amount of time you spend, my my advice is always, you know, kind of the videos I watch, some of the books I like to read um, and and letting them know that, you know, I use tons of references. I'm not just it's not like I just magically got good at this. It's just something I wanted to practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And learn. 
And I don't think I don't think enough people take that. I don't know. I guess there's a concept that being an artist is some kind of like magical skill. Yeah, and, you're, and you just know and you just you're just born with this thing, you know, you're naturally talented or whatever. And people actually say that to you. Oh, you're naturally talented. You're just amazing. Oh, yeah. And and it's like, well, no, I, I drew a lot in school. Like I didn't pay attention and I, <laughs> right. I was doodling for years. And then. You know, <laughs> so a lot of times when people talk about what's what's natural, I think. You know, I think of what you're naturally inclined to want to do mm. um, and that that I think is acceptable. Like I I did have a natural desire to draw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it the, the talent didn't necessarily come from that. It was practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. It is different for everybody. Some people, they may draw a little bit when they're younger, but they don't actually do anything else with it. And it just sort of peters out, you know, for the people who are watching, um, where are you located at? I'm from Birmingham, Alabama. What is your favorite medium and subject matter currently? (laughs) So that so my favorite medium is definitely ink. Um, I love a good pen. Um, I love a good brush. That's that's definitely what I feel I practice the most with. For the past few years, I do all my color digitally, um, which has been a phenomenal blessing to me as an artist to have that ability, because um, while I'm trying to get better at color theory, I don't I don't have that that background. Like I, I can see colors I like and what I love. And doing it digitally allows me to play around a lot more um, and not commit to colors that I'm going to turn around and go over better. <laughs> um, so, uh, <laughs> I get that, man. That's right. one of the things like when I'm working in digital, I'm like, oh, I can move things around. Like I can like yeah. select parts and make it bigger or smaller, or change the color. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's really great. Uh, I've even started doing a few, essentially doing my sketch digitally mm-hmm. and then printing that out for me to actually do analog ink over um, my digital sketch, um, just because I I still have a passion for just that feel of paper and ink. Sure, sure. Um, But getting the composition right digitally, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, makes a difference. Mm -hmm. Um, I really like to paint as well, but I'm definitely not as skilled as that. I'm actively, like I said, actively kind of working on uh, improving my, my color understanding, color techniques, paint mixing and all that. Um, I like playing with clay too. Uh, I've sold a few uh, clay pieces, but it's time consuming. I haven't really figured out how to work it in with my larger body of work um, at this point. So what kind of clay stuff are you making though? uh, Are you making things that are similar to um, your ink stuff or what? Uh, I mean, I, I would say so. So um, one of the, the projects I did um, and I made three or four of them is I took I've, I've got some old VHS tapes mm. and I took the, the VHS tapes and would essentially mold various clay things kind of bursting from the VHS tape, um, like a, oh. you know, kind of like a phantom ghost coming out of the, the VHS tape. And it's usually an actual old VHS tape. Yeah. And then sculpted a clay ghost um oh, that's and, awesome. <laughs> and then yeah it, it looks pretty neat um and then from there I, I painted it then put resin as the as the coating mm. over the whole thing and so it kind of looks like this the videotapes kind of morphing into this this phantom oh. 
Um, so some things like that that are really neat. And I, I sold, I think, all of those. Um, but they took a long time. Yeah, I imagine so. That's one of those mediums that I don't have a lot of experience in. Like one of the very few is like clay and pottery and sculpting kind of things. Mm-hmm. I've never really done that. Um, so that's interesting that you're doing that. Cause I see a lot of artists kind of doing that as well. Like, but, but you know how you see a lot of like the artists that are really well known They they do oil paintings and things like that, but then they're also doing these other mediums and taking it further and that kind of thing. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really interesting that you're doing that. I think that's pretty cool. Um, what would you say is your art style or like the vision for your work? And I mean, I know that changes and, you know, it's constantly developing, but what would you say? What would you call it? So basically my subject matter, I mean, it's 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 dark. But for me, it's it's not in a hopeless way or disturbing way. Um so there are two Japanese phrases that I'm really fond of uh, that I think sum up to me anyway, that I've taken on as, as kind of directing uh, what my work is. And the first is uh, mono no awari. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really have a direct English translation. It can translate to like the pathos of things or an empathy mm-hmm. towards things, but it's really about kind of impermanence. Um, I think one of the most often used examples is the cherry blossom trees in Japan. They, you know, they're, I'm sure you've seen paintings of them. Everybody's kind of oh, yeah, seen yeah, yeah. pictures of them, how, how beautiful they are. But part of, in, in Japan, part of what is revered about them is that lasts for about a week and that's it. And then it's gone. Really? Yes. I know yeah. that. Oh, um, so they have a week of, of, of budding and then they're all, all of that beauty is, is kind of, gone so with mono no awadi it kind of represents knowing kind of feeling when you know something is not going to last forever mm. uh, and to me that's kind of a crucial emotion that i feel like we don't have a word for um <laughs> uh you know it, it's like knowing good times with friends are, are, are you know going to come to an end at some point nick saban isn't going to coach alabama forever <laughs> uh, so it says it's, it's no! enjoying it kind of getting the most of of what we know is here while it's here so that's a huge i guess concept that to me underlies a lot of uh the body my work and then while it's similar another one is is called wabi sabi and it's more in a, a japanese aesthetic that is about like acceptance of transience and imperfection that everything is is imperfect uh, that everything is is complete, nothing is finished, nothing lasts. Mm. Um, and so to me, none of those things are, even though sometimes my work looks dark and even talking about those those concepts can sound, you know, I, I guess some people might take away that's a little depressing, but for me, it's sort of almost the, the Mr. Rogers, what he used to say, that anything that is mentionable is manageable, um, that we all kind of know that this is temporary, Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't mean we can't appreciate everything while it's here and it's sure. not hopeless just because it's temporary. Sure, sure. It's interesting that you say that because I was just reading a book about it's the weirdest book. Um, 
It's called Emotional Cleaning, but it's written by an artist. And I mean, he's he's going off into all kinds of, you know, I don't know. I don't know that it's like a spiritual thing or if it's a therapeutical thing, but he was basically talking about how, you know, a lot of people, they kind of run away from the negative and like they just they're just like, you know, like, don't look at that. Don't talk about it, you know, and then I'll be happy. But there's you really have to look at the negative and appreciate the negative for what it is so that you can move on, you know, and kind of appreciate life completely and fully, even though parts of it are dark. Right. I guess that's really. Yeah. And then you use a lot of like pop culture references and stuff like that. And some of yeah, your so stuff is really clever, cleverly done, you know, it's got a little. Like, yeah. So, I mean, a lot of that, like, is, is you know, so that, talking about that kind of complicated thread, it's just like, but sometimes I do just make something because I'm like, huh, I think that's, that's hilarious. <laughs> or, you know, um, it might be as simple as trying to just capture a little bit of childhood nostalgia or something like that. Yeah, so yeah. it's not all, you know, a web of, of complicated philosophy, you know, tacking it all together. But um, well, do, do you ever feel like when you make some of that stuff that somehow that is kind of part of it? You know, like oh, absolutely. You know, to me, it is um, quite yeah. often, and and um, but I, I know that probably doesn't. You know, if, if you looked at it all together, not many people without hearing that from me wouldn't necessarily take that away. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's true. Because, you know, and I mean, that's part of it, isn't it? The, you know, the viewer, the person who's looking at the work, they come away with whatever it means to them, you yeah. know. Because occasionally, you know, especially the little pop culture references, you know, I might get a, you know, it, you know, still a compliment, but somebody will just be like, oh, that's cute, you know. Uh, um, and to me, I'm just like, I mean, that, that's that's fair. I wasn't thinking cute when I did it, but You're like cute, <laughs> cute, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh no, that's all. <laughs> that's one of those things that, like, you know, and we've talked about this before about me being, you know, like going to a show, like mm-hmm. um, having a table and selling work mm-hmm. and stuff like that. One of the things that really kind of it's not it's not the main thing. There's like a million reasons why I'm like, "Mm, I don't know, I want to do that. But at the same time, um, it is one of the things one of the things in the back of my mind is imagining being behind a table with my work everywhere. Right. And then somebody coming by and like making comments. (laughs) <laughs> Have you had like one of those situations where you're like, what did they just say? <laughs> uh, you know, I've probably had minor run ins, but for the most part, like everybody's been um, I- I've encountered has been exceptionally kind. And at, at, at worst, anything that they've said has just been something I've, I've mildly disagreed with. I've never really had uh, anybody come up and just be like, like, you know, oh, that's gross or weird or, or <laughs> anything like that. I've definitely had people say, oh, this is weird, but it's usually followed by, I love it. Like, you know, <laughs> that's <good. laughs> um, and, and so it, 
I've definitely seen a few. I think the most, probably the most um, negative thing, which to me just isn't that bad, but I've definitely seen maybe like couples browsing the art together and one of them might really like it. And, you know, they're showing their partner the the piece and then the other one's going. (laughs) (laughs) You never really know what that means. Like, does it not, does it not match their aesthetic at home or, you know, and they're just like, no, I don't like that one. I want to spend my money somewhere else or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, at this point. See, that's the stuff that I worry about. It's like, what was that? You know, <laughs> what were they thinking? And that's hmm. that's funny. I think part of it, I, I get, I think I was worried about that before I did my first one. But, but at this yeah. point, I've met the flip side of that far outweighs any any of those, yeah. those comments. I've, I've found a tremendous amount of fans here locally um and even having shipped some of my stuff you know from etsy like i've shipped to paris i've shipped to you know uh, germany like so it's like finding connections that are even just outside of the local community yeah um, far outweighs anyone that's going to come up and be like i don't like your work because part of it is i know my work is niche like i always have like i have i know it's not for everybody and my grandma never going to want you know, <laughs> yeah, I don't think I could give that one of, one of your works to my mom. I don't think she'd appreciate it. But right. however, if I gave it to Mason, he would be like, awesome. Right. <laughs> but funny enough, uh, at least, you know, anecdotally from shows, but also I, I have, you know, data from from Etsy and from some of the the social media platforms. Uh, my largest percentage audience i think is 45 to 55 year old women like so i wouldn't have expected that but that's just looking at it i think they have the largest little chunk of the pie yeah that that might be that punk punk rock kind of age though yeah you know like that people who grew up in the 80s kind of thing but yeah you know no idea i'd never even thought about demographics until um i just happened to you know be looking around on some of the social media business pages and all of a sudden it's saying like here's here's your demographics and I was like oh that's neat I have, I'm not doing anything with it I, yeah. just <laughs> I rarely look at that stuff and when I do I'm like huh yeah I don't even think I'm doing a page so <laughs> and it'll be different on like Instagram from Facebook will be completely different but I think that that's just going to be the difference between the social media platforms and who's on there, you know? Right. But, um, and I know um, that it's something that you should, we as artists should probably know things about that and take advantage of it. Some way, but. Yeah. I keep telling myself I probably should, but I barely even want to get on there in the first place. <laughs> I think the one thing that I feel like I should actually think about is, like it shows you specifically on Instagram, it'll show you like the best time to post. I think that yeah. that would be worth like trying to experiment with and seeing if it like made there be more connections. Right. Or, Not going against the, the tide of the algorithm. Yeah. 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 And see what happens. Well, like with it. Per minute. Yeah. Like, I just don't like to tell what to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, put too many projects on myself, honestly. And uh, I actually joke with Mason about it all the time. I'm like, you get tired of me having projects. 
<laughs> like I'm all like your wife has a lot of projects. He's like, I know, man, I don't know what, what is going on with that. You know, <laughs> like I'm always assigning myself things to do. Oh yeah. Like a podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. Let's try it. <laughs> no, I think it's great. I've, I've um, uh, floated the idea for a, a long time and, and haven't, but have, you know, it's one thing to have the idea and go, I, sh- I could do a podcast versus what you're doing. And actually I'm going to do a podcast because <laughs> uh, I'm real bad at thinking of all the things I might do one day. Even when I, you know, like even the hundred days of art, like you mentioned earlier in that series, like you start working on one of these projects that you've assigned yourself like the podcast. And then you're like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? What is mm-hmm. this? <laughs> do I know what I'm doing? Is this, is this worth doing? <laughs> and I think that after I've already started. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm, I'm bad about that. That too. That, that resonates with me. Just that, um, something can be really exciting and romanticized. And then once I get started, I'm just like, wait, did I actually think about this? <laughs> Do I have time to do this? I don't know. Um, so what is one of the biggest struggles that you've had as you've been going along your creative journey? Um, so, I mean, I really think, you know, and it's it's not that that bad to me. The, the biggest struggle, probably, if you're really trying to be a successful, whether it's full time or part time, is, is kind of finding multiple streams of income coming in. And I really stress the plural because I think most of us, especially starting out, like selling art just one way is yeah. probably not going to really generate enough for you to go here. Here's how, you know, I'm taking on this this career now, I'm making enough. Um, so I've been lucky enough with with uh, Brian Burks and Adam over at Birmingham Oddities. Yeah starting that whole side of the shop dedicated to local artists and being able to sell there um, through Etsy. Those are two regular income streams that I I didn't have before. And actually I I, I wasn't, I I really had no intention of going online with anything until 2020 when the pandemic hit and it was like, well, I'm not doing in-person shows anymore. Let me figure out a way to do that. Um, That's another case where I think, Brian Burks knocked it out of the park was doing these big virtual art shows that brought in tons of of people that weren't even just local anymore. Uh, People who were excited to come and do something during those early days of the pandemic. And, um, but that, that made me get my Etsy out there and all of that. And so those have kind of become two fairly reliable streams of income while not anything of, of great magnitude. I kind of, know about how much I'm going to make off of those each month. And then the shows are kind of where they're, I'm trying to find a phrase because it's not hit or miss. They're always a hit, but they're variable, I guess, in terms yeah. of how uh, I make and how, how big they're going to be depends a lot on it. Um, uh, so trying to kind of find all the different ways you can kind of make money while, mm. while doing this um, to kind of, you know, cause even if you're just doing it part-time, you want to at least make enough to pay for the time you you put in and the supplies you put in and all of that, you know, bare minimum. You're not even really trying to be a an actual, you know, here's my career. You don't want to be in the hole for everything you're doing. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, you know, another big thing for me is prints. Like, so 
selling tons of prints. Um, if I only sold originals, my the pace that I work at alone would keep me from making enough because I can be real slow sometimes with, with my output. I'll have big bursts and then I'll have slow ones. So that just yeah. wouldn't be conducive. But by making prints, it, it sort of hits a bunch of things that are important to me. A, it makes my work affordable to a wide variety of, of sure. people and people who wouldn't be able to pay for an original. Uh, and I, I've got a few pieces I've done where the prints have far, like made me more than I would have ever by just selling the original. Oh, uh, wow, yeah. So, and then I've got plans to do like try Patreon and do some Patreon packages this year to see oh, how that works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that would be really cool. I think that you could pull that off. And I think that that's what a lot, a lot of artists are doing right now. Um, is the Patreon thing, but it also kind of gives you that connection with people mm-hmm. that maybe you're getting like from the shows and things that you do like that, you know? Absolutely. And I've even thought about, I think one of the things, uh, ha- having supported a few musicians and artists that we like on Patreon yeah. through the, the pandemic kind of opened my eyes to how it can be a way to, you know, keep that connection going beyond just that you know, interaction you had at a show or whatever, you know, I'm always, I'm not big on, like, I don't do tons of, uh, like posts kind of talking about the things that inspire me or things that I think are cool. Um, most of the time, because I'm just like, I don't know that like right now I'm, I'm kind of broadcasting to a larger audience, especially on like my personal Facebook, even though I have a lot of followers now, they're just because they've connected to me with art Yeah, with something like Patreon. I think, you kind of know the what the the audience there is interested. Yeah. In. Might make me go, okay, well, I'm going to talk about this art book I like or this this artist I I like, yeah. and kind of talk more about my journey as an artist than I do currently. So yeah, so it's interesting that you brought that up. So like, you have a Facebook page, and then you have your personal Facebook. How do you feel about your Facebook page? <laughs> yeah, it's complicated. Um, and, and I think it's. Do you think you get more interaction on your personal page versus your Facebook? Yeah, my. <laughs> your uh, art page. Facebook page for my art is, is um, uh, hanging on by a thread in terms of, you know, how, how much value is, is, is in there. Um, I'll pick up, you know, occasionally. Same. <laughs> gotten to to kind of keep it posted but yeah um and part of that's just is what it is because there's so what what started to happen is even though i created that page anytime i'd get credited for something someone would be like oh justin stokes did this justin stokes yeah tag your personal yeah so i kind of became like almost like the so-called art isn't even that you know, I started it trying to brand something that would just yeah. be identifiable for people. But at this point, it's it stokes, you know, like um, that's that's what I'm getting more recognized as um, oh, okay. the, the Stokehold art. Um, but my Instagram does great. That's 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 kind of where I guess my main social media account that. Yeah. Uh, connect with other people, other artists. Um, I think. Because it's a visual platform alone, bro. Um, but yeah, face, the Facebook page is. is <laughs> but I, I even tried at one point early on to, you know, when I started getting a bunch of new followers from virtual shows, pointing people 
to my page, be like, Hey, you know, I appreciate the, because part of it's just like, well, it is, it's my personal page. I, you know, especially being a parent, like I'm not really wanting to invite tons of strangers into, yeah. into that realm. But, you know, Kim uh, has suggested, you know, just like, well, maybe make a separate profile for your art. That's not a page. Like you just have your artist profile and your personal profile and, yeah. you know, see if you throw that and make that work. Yeah, that's interesting. So I've had this discussion with other artists, too, and a good friend of mine who lives up in Huntsville, who started a artist, kind of like one of those paint party kind of things. Mm -hmm. um, she was actually going through that where she's like not getting any action on her actual like company page, her right. business page. And then people, strangers were contacting her personal page. Mm -hmm. And so she was just like, you know, letting these people in, but then people would be weird and she'd have to like kick them back out. <laughs> yeah. that's yeah. <laughs> and you're like, oh, I don't know. You're, you're weird. I'm wiggling. Right. <laughs> Get rid of yeah. you. <laughs> so I was like, man, I don't know. Like I just, I try to steer people towards my um, actual art page, but it's dying. It's, it's, I don't know. I, and I've heard a lot of artists say that about Facebook. Like it's not really where to go. Instagram is. Yeah. I don't think, uh, yeah, I think we're fighting an uphill battle trying to be seen there. Um, yeah. in that way. um like you gotta spend money or, you know, do that kind of thing there to get yeah. anything. I'm going to try my hand at TikTok. I downloaded it on my new phone, but I'm, We'll see how that goes. Yeah. Um, I've done TikTok a little bit, but I mean, I really, it's kind of like if I have a video <laughs> of something to post on Instagram, then I'll just post it on TikTok mm. and add some music to it. And so I, that's really all I've done there. But there's some pretty yeah. cool stuff over there um, that people are doing. And it amazes me how creative people get with their video. And I feel like, you would be really particularly good at that, you know, because you've been doing video stuff. Oh yeah. Like that could be like a whole nother creative outlet, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I've sort of begun to recognize that, um, you know, <laughs> need to stop shaking my cane at it and embrace <laughs> the aspect of it. Go hang out with the youngsters, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fellow kids. <laughs> Some of that stuff is really cool to me. I mean, I know some of it can be kind of cheesy and they're, you know, doing their dances and all that, but some of it is really awesome. And I'm like, this is like a really creative yeah, I, platform where people are being innovative and interesting and just coming up with all this neat ways of like, kind of like telling a story about whatever it is they're doing, you know, you ought to try it just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Dip your toe in, see how it feels. <laughs> Is there anything that you've tried but didn't really work out for you? Like something that you did that was just really disappointing and you were like, no, nah, I don't think I want to do that anymore. I, I think I'll say that either when I try something, I either and, it, and it's not working out like it's either going to take more time. Like I recognize, all right, I need to put more into this. And it's not always worth the investment. And that's all it is. It's just like, well, I, I kind of want to do this. It's going to take a lot more work. Um, but 
on the flip side, if it's something I just find myself not really being into, like there's almost always a transferable skill that I can and take and apply elsewhere. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and I guess my biggest example of you know something I, I think along those lines is um, I, I keep kind of dabbling with watercolor, but I've yet to really find a way that I want to do it. Mm. But I haven't that I wouldn't necessarily describe it as being disappointed or thinking I've walked away. I just have not yet you know, gotten it to where I want to and, and haven't mm-hmm. figured out how I'm going to integrate it. But at the same time, playing with it has always made me feel like I, I learned something or had some sort of tech way to, to do elsewhere. Yeah. 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 And to be honest, like, I don't know what in the hell I'm doing. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I never considered myself like being a watercolor artist either. So I feel like even though I've done it, more I don't think I know what I'm doing (laughs) like I can't really talk about it you know well yeah well so I think you brought bring up a really interesting point there um which is like the parts that I do think is sometimes fun being an artist is figuring out something that just you you know looks good but it doesn't mean you really explain how you got there or, or like really how um, how it works, like why it's working. And, and I even sometimes, uh, if I'm not, if I don't feel skilled at, at something, I'll find ways to kind of, um, hide what I feel my shortcomings are. You know, sometimes I hate drawing hands or feet. Um, so I just find a way to make the composition to where I'm not going to have to, like they're hidden by something <laughs> or they're, um, that's a classic so, move, Justin. That's right, a classic right. move. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, uh, uh, and uh, uh, you know, make 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 the shortcomings work. But I think sometimes when uh, um, I think for me, it's kind of acrylic painting. Is sometimes something will really work. What's frustrating to me at this stage is I'm at that point where I'm not good enough or practiced enough to know how to replicate that consistently. So sometimes I'll just accidentally stumble on something and be like, "How did I do?" do that you know, how do I replicate that the next time I want to yeah I've experienced that where I've done something and like I mean like there was one piece I did years and years ago the one with the um it was a harp and the hearts that were hanging from the harp do you remember that one yeah, I, I, I did do. it for the IBM playing card thing and I really yeah. liked it a lot but I can't duplicate it <laughs> right <laughs> like Oh man, why can't I do that again? That was fun. <laughs> so I think it happens to everybody. I think we all go through that kind of, you know, and that's part of the learning process, right? You know, um, Absolutely. you know, like getting to a place where you're like, you really like something that you did, but now you've got to figure out how to work it in and keep going with it. You haven't always been a full-time artist. You've, you've had full-time jobs doing other things. Um, what led you to the point of letting all that other stuff go and being like, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. So, you know, probably a lot of little things that, that would add up to, to a long time to like really talk about. But I think, um, I built both confidence and a little bit of, of following in, in 2019, um, but like a really exciting year and that 2020 was going to open up and be the best year. <laughs> um, you know, whatever had going into it. And then pandemic happened. And um, I was, I was 
working. I was a project manager in telecom and uh, we were working from home and hours kind of came to a point that I, I just wasn't really happy doing that financially, you know, my wife, Kim, still has her job that she loves. Mm. There's making enough income for us to risk losing some of mine yeah. um, because we knew it wasn't going to drop. You know, I wasn't dropping down to zero, but I was yeah. significantly going to drop the income I was, I was bringing in um, to work at trying to build this this more. You know, part of that is, is just it's something we, we talked about together. She loved the idea of it. Um, it also gave me, gave us a chance to have a, a parent here more often that can be with Linux. Um, kind of all came from several decisions all at once. And in 2021, I saw significant growth. I'm still not quite back to like what salary was, you know, what it yeah. used to be, but it's getting more and more or so far has, has gotten better and better. Um, kind of yeah. almost over a month. So yeah. Just kind of hoping to get or, you know, even stay within this range and have more ideas and more things that, that we want to do. I've got a few things that we want to potentially branch out and do in the city and downtown that might might lead to additional stuff. But those are still oh. low burning projects that I guess I should <laughs> run up because I can't talk about yet. <laughs> Yeah, I won't, I won't go there. I've learned that from these interviews that I think a lot of artists have things that they're working on in the background. They're like, yeah, I don't really want to talk about that. I can't, yeah. you know, disclose what that is yet. <laughs> <laughs> I know that you didn't you have a punk rock art show that you went to in Nashville? Yeah, so it was punk rock flea market. Mackenzie Wallace put that together she she's um owns all hallows llc they you know all kinds of clothing and and you know everything from tote bags to like really cool shirt designs and stuff she's come down to a bunch of the the birmingham events you know we we ended up connecting and talking and um she was talking about putting an event together um and i was just like you know if you need a poster um because actually i think the event where we really kind of talked about it was a, a punk rock art show down here that I had done the poster for Oh yeah, yeah. like, you know, I'll, I'll gladly do one for you. Cause that, that's another thing is I don't really do commissions. I don't like to except for like, I'm very picky with it. Mm -hmm. Um, and what's cool is, is most of the ones I've, I've done so far have been pretty wide artistic freedom. Like basically yeah. I trust you to do something cool. She commissioned me to do, um, the poster for that. We went up to Nashville. That was in December and it blew me away how kind Nashville was to me as an artist and how fun yeah. that event was and getting to suddenly pop in a whole new um, art and music scene. Um, yeah, yeah. And in the Birmingham one, there's actually going to be another one in the, the details to be announced, but it's either yeah. going to be July and I'll be doing the poster for that one as well. But I'm super excited because it was a blast. Yeah. Yeah. Was there um, was there a large like audience there? Like, I mean, was it like um, I mean, I guess you, you said the music scene. So were there people who were playing and then they had booths or what was that like? Yeah. What so most of the, the punk rock art shows and the flea market is, is both the Birmingham and Nashville one are similar, but they're usually just kind of larger in the setup and the and the expected attendance. Mm. Um, several bands will play um, yeah. throughout the, the day or throughout the evening, depending on when the event is. And yeah, all of the artists and makers are set up, you know, throughout. 
And basically everyone just kind of hangs out, looks through art, watches bands play. Um, and, and the, I mean, that's the key to it. It's just, it's music and art um, at all of them. Yeah. And the flea markets are just kind of bigger. Like they're usually in a bigger space oh, with okay. way more people while the, the art shows are kind of mostly contained. Although there's going to be a really big one in April that Brian's doing at Ghost Train. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's definitely the niche that you're looking for, right? Is that that kind of those, those kinds of people who are into kind of that same sort of vibe and style of work and yeah uh, you know that's uh, it's definitely so it's like you found you found your your people <laughs> right definitely <laughs> but you, not that you didn't already know them right. <laughs> <laughs> i've been on a quest for my people um, so I, that's definitely the first and, and my favorite audience um because I, that's you know my my background going to punk shows you know playing in punk bands eons ago um and so i I love to see that energy to to um Mm -hmm. listen to most of the bands occasionally you know is what it is but uh (laughs) um but yeah it's it's a blast but i have found like even doing gahabazar which was probably the first show since my actual first show that i was just like well we'll see how it goes yeah and it was a record day for me like and that wasn't that punk rock community that yeah, was yeah, yeah, yeah. a more regular uh, i saw much more um and not that so uh, that's another thing though is these like i'm always trying to convince people who aren't just already you know considering themselves punk enough to go to one of these mm-hmm. like there's no credentials or punk rock id <laughs> check at the door um, it, <laughs> there really are a lot of different types of people that show up and it's, it's yeah. one of the most uh, inclusive communities. Mm. Um, the music is sometimes loud. Um, yeah. but, <laughs> but other than that, like it's really inviting. I encourage more people to go, even if you're, you're worried your Mohawk isn't, isn't up to date. <laughs> oh my gosh. I feel like you're speaking to me personally for some reason. Are you trying to tell me something? I probably am. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) (laughs) i'll bring mason and he'll he'll do the the selling for me (laughs) oh yeah so him help helps me a lot because i i was really scared i was going to be too too socially anxious the the first time um we went and kind of kim has helped with with the the customer service aspect you know <laughs> getting me comfortable talking to people yeah i can and, imagine yeah that being one of those things where you're like yeah like here's my art uh you know like, you want me to talk about it or <laughs> <laughs> right but yeah i mean now it's you know it's so simple like somebody walks up and i'm just like hey guys how's it going yeah <laughs> we just had a little you know uh if they pick up a piece and they like laugh at it, I'll be like, Oh, what piece are you looking at? Like, you know, and just, if they ask me about a piece, like it doesn't have to be like, I'm not trying to sell them anything or, or sure. just have a conversation stuff. around yeah. it. What, what kind of advice would you give your former self before you started all this, you were back, you were back in the day, like, not really doing art at the time, but you knew you loved it and you, and it was your thing that you wanted to do. What advice would you give 
Justin, back in like 2016 or something. In 2016. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough one. <laughs> yeah. But, well, it would be, uh, hey, man, learn learn your color theory. Like, figure that crap out. Like, um, uh, learn the secret. Do- I don't know that I know color theory. I feel like after talking to you, I need to go look it up and see if I know what I'm talking about. Right. <laughs> color theory <laughs> uh just or just practice practice colors pra- yeah. practice um uh the the other thing and all it is i guess the only advice i'd give myself is there's stuff i'm i've got goals on this year that i wish just had already been done um uh so for for this year i want to i'm working on colors i'm actually revisiting high school geometry stuff because i want to um, some of my favorite artists are the old comic book, like draftsmen. And, and um, I, I want to get better at my drafting skills for these. You know, I have sometimes these big vision pieces that I just don't have the perspective and geometry skills to really pull off the composition. Um, I, on a smaller scale, I can fake it till I make it. Um, and so not not. Don't we all. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm trying to learn more about geometry and then my my lettering. So, you know, most of especially oh, having yeah. as I do more and more posters, um, I'm essentially pulling from, you know, fonts that I have to to purchase or manipulate just because I, I don't I occasionally will will do mine. But I'm, I'm right at that point. I don't know if you have this. There are points where I'm good enough to sort of be OK. But what happens is I rush it because I don't actually know enough about it to spend the time on it yeah. um, so it for me it ends up being like when I do letters even if I do them from scratch I run through real quick and it's like I don't really spend any time on making sure I've got you know the kerning right or any anything oh, yeah. that, that might be um, important so that's the skill I want to build so I, do I you do I, that digitally do you do that part digitally like yes drawing yes, out your lettering and stuff most, most of them um, uh, like not all of them, like during Inktober, I do, I do all the letters, um, analog on the, on the page before I scan them in. Um, oh, okay. Okay. Well, I mean, I feel like you're doing a great job, but I mean, it's always worth learning more, you know? Well, that, and that's what I'm, uh, you know, the biggest thing is some of those like fonts aren't occasionally it's, it's not anything I designed. I'm, I'm yeah. essentially mimicking an existing and i'm sure there are like some really good like tutorials and books out there about that too yeah i've got one from uh it's the house industries lettering manual um oh yeah yeah. i've been reading um as of late and i've got tons of like my my reference library is is one of my favorite things in Mm -hmm. my my studio just because i've found a reason why i've collected so many odd knickknacks and ephemera <laughs> and now i say oh it's part of my my research <laughs> and reference libraries <laughs> mason's like really more books what are you doing right. <laughs> i have a reason um so what is a favorite book of yours as far as connecting to your art whether it's like reference or something inspirational or you know something that had to so honestly one of my my favorites that i returned to uh really anything by andrew loomis but there's there's yeah. one called creative illustration mm-hmm. um, 
that is one of my favorites. So even though I think it was written in like the early shorties, um, uh, it's, you know, the fundamentals don't really change. You know, it's kind of learning math from a a 40s textbook. Like it's still going to be math. Like (laughs) it is what it is. I don't know. I hear it's changed. (laughs) (laughs) But surprisingly, Andrew Loomis is is, uh, still to me, one of the best voices I've, I've found to sort of describe some of it. Mm-hmm. And to me, his work is beautiful to look at. And he's he tackles it from for one of the reasons I probably like it is, is that he, he comes from a point of reference that I'm already inspired by, which is he worked a lot in uh, early 20th century advertising and design. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, he, you know, he would do ads and magazine ads and posters for companies and stuff. And um, even though that's one of those things that I think a, a lot of people have traditionally not considered art, you know, yeah. uh, I, that's that's one of my biggest visual inspirations for a lot yeah, of what I yeah. do. So, that makes I think sense. so many illustrators doing really cool things and Andrew Loomis is one of them. But it's such a, I, I really think any art, artists should have a couple of Andrew Lindis books in their library just to read through them. I don't know that I've, I don't know that I'm familiar with him. I have to look that up. Yeah. Creative illustration is, is my favorite one, but he has about five or six okay. that he put in the forties and early fifties. Oh, that's cool. Who would be your favorite artist? That's a real hard one. So I literally have a spreadsheet, an Excel spreadsheet somewhere that I keep all of no, my you don't. artists in because I like to occasionally go, um, you know, especially <laughs> of not thinking about it, like remind myself to go look at someone's work and remind myself what I like about it. And a lot of them are comic book artists. Whoa. Of them are, are real artists. But again, even though I like a lot of the, you know, traditional classical artists, mm-hmm. my inspiration really does mostly come from 20th century stuff like i said advertising comic books so i'd say to at least narrow it down will eisner um who was the creator of the comic book the spirit is definitely one of my my favorites his his eye for composition and draftsmanship like if you go look at you know will eisner spirit like some of his full page panel spreads there's so much happening in the way he you know will make lettering part of the the overall composition, you know, it might be newspapers floating through the air that form oh. the spirit, all of that stuff. And, um, uh, and then all of the EC comics, uh, artists were, which that they did the tales from the crypt back in the fifties and, um, you know, ended up getting in trouble with the government and the reason <laughs> comic books have the censorship, uh, for years is, is all the EC comics stuff. But it was so ahead of its time, like both in there, you know, they had science fiction and horror stuff. And a lot of it was, you know, moralistic tales that had these these fun twists. But art was just light years beyond what else was on the the shelf at the time, really. So like Jack Kirby, Graham Ingalls, Johnny Craig, a bunch of those guys. Wow. See, I don't know any of those people. I'm like (laughs) not in... I'm not in the in the comic book circle, but you said something and I don't know if you noticed that you said it, but you said 
not like real artists, but like comic book artists. Well, so yeah, some of that's just speaking to what what I know some people have traditionally thought. Like, and and I definitely that's probably the wrong way to say it, but not your classical yeah. artists. That's like um, what what people consider the the masters, you know. Yeah. Um, most of these are, are all of these comic book artists that I love were basically, you know, teens and 20 somethings just mm-hmm. out of draftsmanship school like or drafting school that ended up accidentally working at a, a you know, for a horror comic that they didn't necessarily <laughs> think they were going to do. Yeah. But then they failed at it, you know, blew it out of the park. And, That's crazy. Um, so I think a lot of times, especially from that era, a lot of those guys didn't want to call themselves comic book artists you know they felt like they were doing something lowbrow um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that that wasn't broadly appreciated Ob- obviously our culture has grown to accept that under the art umbrella a little bit better oh now. yeah yeah absolutely um, i was even just thinking about you know these guys at the time and that in that era a lot of them were yeah i wish i was doing real art <laughs> <laughs> not realizing me <laughs> on you know millions of, of kids. well i mean you know you take um uh norman rockwell for instance like at the time mm-hmm. he was an illustrator you know right. and so he wasn't considered an artist you know right. in the traditional sense of you know doing oil paintings i guess but i don't know that's one of those things that i'm kind of personally i don't know it kind of it kind of irritates me, but I'm not, I'm not irritated at you. (laughs) I knew it was a slip of the tongue because I (laughs) I actually know you and that you were like, you know, kind of go, you were, you were finishing your thought or whatever. And and you said something that, you know, is sort of like what I guess culturally we think, Mm-hmm. you know, or been taught, you know, right. so, and I know that you don't personally feel that way or whatever, because obviously there's some of your favorite artists and you collect right. all of the, you know, <laughs> so, I mean, it doesn't make, that's why I pointed it out. Cause it's like, that doesn't make sense. Why did he say that? Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't, that doesn't line up with who Justin Stokes is. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I started out by talking about Andrew Loomis, you know, who did a lot yeah. of advertising and I even think, you know, I think of the advertising artist as, as like, that's art. Like I love yeah, yeah. looking at that, even though it's designed to sell something, you know, to get a slice of, of something from the, you know, whether it's a, a whiskey ad from the fifties or, a, mm-hmm. you know, cigarette ad from the sixties the or there's, there's all kinds of things to be gleaned from that, that piece in time and the, the compositions oh, yeah. together. I mean, like, you know, people think of, Toulouse Lautrec's posters oh, as yes, art. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's all there's all kinds of. Right. I think that that's changing. I think you know, like even like the digital art of today, there's still a lot of people who are like, well, no, that's not really art, you know, and they and they're trying to separate the two as one's traditional and one's, you know. Like if you're like if you're watching, do you, are you guys watching the Gilded Age by any chance? We haven't. It's created by the Downton Abbey people. Okay. It's on HBO, but the whole setup is that it's set in um, New York City during the Gilded Age, okay. when it's like yeah. the railroads and stuff. 
And yeah, so that's on my radar, but I forgot what it was called. So yeah, we want to watch that. There's the old people, the people who have been there a while, and there's the new people. And that's kind of, you know, how that is. It's like, okay, here's, this is the, this is art. Yeah. The gatekeepers. Like, yeah. and I'm, I, I hate gatekeeperism. I mean, I can occasionally, yeah. I guess, <laughs> but you know, you'll find it in music and, and really it's any everywhere. creative thing. Like, oh, well, real music or yeah. real art. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think that's something that all artists have to kind of fight against eventually or either blend in, blend in and just go with it and be part of the, the gatekeeping. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I guess that's, that's, yeah. One. <laughs> join, join it. Yeah. Join us or die. <laughs> <laughs> well, where can people find your art? Where can they find you? Uh, so one of the best places, if you're local to Birmingham is at Birmingham Oddities. Um, and it, oh, it's a uh, 23rd street North. Um, okay. Uh, is, is where it's at, but there's tons of, of local art there, oddities, knickknacks, weird things, um, yeah. local music. It, it's a cool little place um, that I recommend anybody go and follow. Yeah. Um, I have my Etsy shop, uh, which is just Stokehold Art. And just as a side note, I think anybody interested in art and music in Birmingham should follow Art by Burks or Brian Burks um, yeah, yeah, yeah. because he puts together you know, a ton of these events and it's a great way to stay plugged into all of them. You know, yeah. the ones that do you, ha- um, I know you mentioned that there's event coming up maybe in April, but is there any other like, um, shows or anything that that's coming up that you're, uh, a few coming up over the, the next few months. So the next actual punk rock art show is February 13th. So right around the corner. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Uh, at ghost train. Um, and then, True story. There's going to be a '90s night art show um, mm-hmm. that I'm doing the poster for, and it's actually one of the most fun posters, <laughs> even though it's taking hours. Um, <laughs> and uh, then on Easter weekend, basically the Friday and Saturday before Easter, is the really big 21st punk rock art show, and it's two day event. Um, wow, tons of nice. it's a really huge lineup of of lots of local and regional bands. And then we're going to have tons of artists and makers. Um, Where is that going to be at? Is that ghost train? train? Yeah. Yeah. And that one, and that's going to be at ghost train's new location. Uh, Oh, they have a new location. I didn't know. So um, yeah, they're opening up a a new, I think it's just a second location. I think they've still got the the first one. Um, But I could be wrong. But uh, Brian and I, got to collaborate on that poster and that was a lot yeah. of fun. There's actually pre-sale for t-shirts on that one right now. Oh, nice. Uh, so we'll have black t-shirts at the event, but if you pre-order, you can get like red and I think white, maybe yellow, a few other colors. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, I think June is the Nashville punk rock flea market. Um, and then there's also the, the erotic art show is coming back to, to Birmingham. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's in July, maybe. Now, is that one um, at the same time every year? Do they do that one at the same time every year? Roughly. It's it's always been in the summer, but it wasn't done the past two years. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they kind of skipped because of, of pandemic stuff. But um, um, and that one's really fun. 
I think, it, you know, if you're not, <laughs> I guess it depends on people's comfort level. There's a really <laughs> fun to people watch for me there, like, and just interacting with, with uh, the people, the, the customers at that one is different than any other. <laughs> Everybody I imagine it's quite the experience. <laughs> but yeah, if somebody comes up to buy art from you and, you know, their leather mask and, and be like, <laughs> sorry, what? Oh, that piece, you know? <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, and yeah, everybody was super. The last one, I think, was 2019 that was there. And I, Kim and I both went and we, we had a blast. It was yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, that does look really fun. Like an interesting group of people. But um, it is huge. I mean, it, like, where is that, that one usually at? I mean, is so it the, at a. Was at Batwell Auditorium. Oh, okay. uh, uh, so, I mean, we, it was the whole auditorium floor wow, filled up wow. with artists and, and you had, um, uh, several kind of, um, unique, like almost like carnival sideshow shows happening and yeah. some women who could do the, I forget what it's called, but where they're like up on the hoop, yeah, um, like swinging and doing like trapeze or it's yeah, not called stuff like that. So it's kind of a, you know, a bit of a carnival atmosphere as far as the the entertainment um but then it's kind of just browsing a, a flea market full of erotic themed stuff which yeah. carried all the place um and i sold a lot of stuff that night that wasn't wasn't even within that that realm yeah yeah, uh, yeah but you have to have enough of it to really be able to go be an artist there <laughs> like they won't let you if you don't have anything erotic at all <laughs> Um, like we don't know if you're gonna fit. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but it was, you know, there's there's so many just interactions you had in mind. It's just like, oh, that's it's really really fun. Um, <laughs> good, times, got, good times, good times. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for talking to me today. And oh, yeah. um, everyone, if you want to see some really cool art, go see. Justin Stokes is a Stokehold underscore art on Instagram. Yeah. Stokehold underscore like chokehold, but really a Stokehold is a part of old ships where they would stoke the fire. Um, oh, I didn't know that. The, the name comes from, um, but thank you so much for inviting me to yeah, do yeah. it. All the kind words. And it was really fun yeah. talking art with you. Yeah. It was a good conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Art Talk with April. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please subscribe.